Hey guys, it's me, Ishita, and welcome back to another episode of Matilda. <laughs> so today we'll be reading chapter number 10, that is, Throwing the Hammer. So let's get started. The nice thing about Matilda was that if you had met her casually and talked to her, you would have thought she was a perfectly normal five-and-a-half-year-old child. She displayed almost no outward signs of her brilliance and she never showed up. This is a very sensible and quite little girl. You would have said to yourself, and unless for some reason you had started a discussion with her about literature or mathematics, you would never have known the extent of her brain power. It was therefore easy for Matilda to make friends with other children. All those in her class liked her. They knew, of course, she was clever because they had heard being questioned by Miss Honey on the first day of the term. And they also knew that she was allowed to sit quietly with a book during lessons and not pay attention to the teacher. But children of her age do not search deeply for reasons. They were far too wrapped up in their own small struggles to worry over much about what others were doing and why. Among Matilda's newfound friend was a girl called Ravender. Right from the first day of the term, two of them started wandering around together during the morning break and lunch hour. Lavender was unexpectedly small for her age, a skinny little nymph with deep brown eyes and with dark hair that was cut in a fringe across her forehead. Matilda liked her because she was gutsy and adventurous. She liked Matilda for exactly the same reasons. Before the first week of the term was up, awesome tales about the headmistress, Miss Trunchbull began to filter through the newcomers. Matilda and Lavender standing in the corner of the playground during the morning break on the third day were approached by a rough ten-year-old with a boil on her nose called Hortensia. News come, I suppose. Hortensia said to them, looking down from her great height. She was eating from an extra large bag of potato grips and digging the stuff out in handfuls. Welcome to Borstel, she added, spraying bits of crisp out of her mouth like snowflakes. The two tiny ones confronted by this giant kept a watchful silence. Have you met the Trunchbull yet? Hortensia asked. We have seen her at prayers, Lavender said, but we haven't met her. You have got a training coming to you, Hortensia said. She hates very small children. She therefore loathes the bottom class and everyone in it. She thinks five-year-olds are props and they haven't yet hatched out. Invent another fistful of crisp and when you spoke again, outsprayed your crumbs, you would survive your first year. You may just manage to live through the rest of your time. But many don't survive. They get carried out on stretchers, screaming, I have seen it often. Hortensia paused to observe the effect these remarks. Um, so sorry. Yeah. Hortensia paused to observe the effect these remarks were having on the two itchy ones. Not very much. They seemed pretty cool. 
So the large one decided to regale them with further information. I suppose you know the trunch bowl has a lock-up cupboard in a private quarters called the Choki. Have you heard about the Choki? Matilda and Lavender shook their heads and continued to gaze up at the giant. Being very small, they were inclined to the mistrust any creature that was larger than were, especially senior girls. The Choki, Hortensia said, went on, is a very tall but very narrow cupboard. The floor is only 10 inches square, so you can't sit down or squat in it. You have to stand. And the three of the walls were made of cement with bits of broken glass sticking out all over. So you can't lean against them. You have to stand more or less at the attention all the time when you get locked up in there. It's terrible. Can't you lean against the door? Matilda asked. Don't be daft, Hortensia said. The door's got thousands of sharp, spiky nails sticking out of it. They have big... Can you lean against the door? Matilda asked. Don't be daft, Hortensia said. The door's got through thousands of sharp, spiky nails sticking out of it. They have been hammered through from the outside, probably the trunchbull herself. Have you ever been in there? Lavender asked. My first time I was there in six time, Hortensia said. Twice for a whole day and other times for two hours each. But two hours is quite bad enough. It's pitch dark and you have to stand up dead straight in the wobble at all you get spiked either by the glass on the walls or the nails on the door. Why were you pertin? What have you done? The first time I poured half a tin of golden syrup onto the seat of the chair that Trunchbull was going to sit at prayers. It was wonderful. When she lowered herself in a chair, there was a loud squelching noise similar to that made by a hippopotamus when lowering its foot into the mud on the banks of Limpopo River. But you are too small and stupid to have just read so stories, aren't you? I've read them, Matilda said. You are a lawyer, Hortensia said amicably. You can't even read yet, but no matter. So when the trunchbull sat on the golden syrup, the squelch was beautiful. And when she jumped up again, the chair sort of stuck to her seat of those awful green breeches she wears and came up with her for a few seconds until the thick syrup slowly come unstuck. Then she clasped her hands to the seat of her breeches and both hands got covered in the muck. You should have heard her bellow. But how did she know it was you? Lavender asked. A little squirt called Ollie Bog Whistle sneaked on me. Hortensia said, I knocked his front teeth out. And the trunch bull put you in the chokey for the whole day, Matilda asked, glopping. All day long, Hortensia said, I was off my rocker when she let me out. I was babbling like an idiot. What were the other Hello? things would you get and put the chokey? Lavender asked. Oh, I can't remember them all now, Hortensia said. But she spoke with the air of an old warrior who had been in so many battles that bravery had become commonplace. It's all so long ago, she added, stuffing more scripts in her mouth. Ah, yes, I can remember the one. 
Here's what happened. I chose a time when I knew the transfer was out of the way teaching the sixth formers when I put up my hand and asked her to go to the books. But instead of going there, I sneaked into Trunchbull's room and, and after a speedy search, I found a drawer where she kept all her gym knickers. Go on, Matilda said, spellbounded. What happened next? I had sent away by post, you see, for this very powerful itching powder. Hortensia said, it cost 50 pence a packet and it was called the skin scrocher. The label said it was made from powdered teeth of deadly snakes and it was guaranteed to raise welts the size of walnuts in your skin. So I sprinkled this stuff inside every pair of knickers in the drawer and then folded them all up again. Hortensia paused to cram more crisps into her mouth. Did it work? Lavender asked. Well, Hortensia said. A few days later, during pairs, the transport suddenly starts scratching herself like mad down below. Aha, I said to myself, here we go. She is changed to gym already. Sorry, she's changed for gym already. It was the it was pretty wonderful to be sitting there watching it all and knowing that I was the only person in the whole school who realized exactly what was going on inside the trunchbull spanked and i felt safe too i knew i couldn't be hurt then the scratching got worse she couldn't stop she must have thought she had a wasp nest down there and then right in the middle of the lord's spear she leapt up grabbed her bottom and rushed out of the room both matilda and lavender were entrailed it was quite clear to them that they were at this moment standing in the presence of a master here's somebody who had bought the art of skullduggery to the highest point of perfection somebody moreover who was willing to risk life and limb in pursuit of a calling they gazed in wonders of his goodness and suddenly even the boil on her nose was no longer a blemish but a badge of courage how did she catch you that time lavender asked breathless with wonder she didn't but i got a day in the choky just the same why the trunch boy Hortensia said had nasty habit of guessing. When she doesn't know who the culprit is, she makes a guess at it. And the trouble is often right. I was the prime suspect this time because of the golden syrup job. And although I knew she hadn't have any proof, nothing I said myself different, I kept shouting, how could I have done it, Miss Trunchbull? I didn't even knew kept any spare snickers at school. I didn't even know what itching powder is. I've never heard it of all, but the line didn't help me in spite of the great performance I just put on. The trunchbull simply grabbed me by one ear and rushed to me the chokey at the double and threw me inside the and locked the door. That was the second all-day stretch. It was absolute torture. I was spiked and cut in all over when I came out. It's like a war, Matilda said, overwrought. You are drained, right? It's like a war, Hortensia cried. And the casualties are terrific. We are the crusaders, the gallant army fighting for our lives with hardly any weapons at all. And the trunchbull is the prince of darkness, a foul serpent, a fiery dragon with all the weapons at her command. It's a tough life. We all try to support each other. You can rely on us, Lavender said, making her height of three feet two inches stretch as tall as possible. No, I can't. You're only shrimps. But you never know. We may find a use for you one day in some undercover job. 
Just tell us a little bit about what she does, Matilda said. Please do. I mustn't threaten you before you have been there a week. You won't. We may be small, but we are quite tough. Listen to this, then. Only yesterday, the Trunchbull caught a boy called Julius Rotwinkle eating Luke liquor rice all sorts during the scripture lesson, and she simply picked him up by one arm and flung him clear out of the open classroom window. Our classroom is one floor up, and we saw Julius Rotterwinkle go sailing out down in the garden like a frisbee and handling with a thump in the middle of the lettuce. Then the trunchbull turned to us and said, From now on, anybody caught eating in class goes straight out of the window. Did this Julius Rotwinkle break any bones? Only a few. Uh, Hortensia said, You have got to remember that trunchbull once threw the hammer for Britain in the Olympics, so she is very proud of her right arm. What's throwing the hammer? Lavender asked. The hammer, Hortensia said, is actually a rudy great cannonball at the end of a long bit of wire and thrower whisks around and around in his or her hand faster and faster and then lets it go. You have to be terrifically strong and the trunchbull will throw anything around just to keep her arm in, especially children. God heavens, Lavender said. I once heard her say, Hortensia went on, that a large boy is about the same weight as an Olympic hammer and therefore he is very useful for practicing with this. At this point, something strange happened. The playground, which up to then had been filled with shrieks and shoutings of children at play, all at once became silent at the grave. Watch out, Hortensia whispered, and Matilda and Lavender. For the gigantic figure of Miss Trunchbull advancing through the crowd of boys and girls with manacking strides. The children drew back hastily to let her through, and her progress across asphalt was like thought of Moses going through the Red Sea when the waters parted. A formidable figure she was too, in her belted smock and green breeches. Below the knees, her calf muscles stood out like grapefruits inside her stockings. Amanda Tripp, she was shouting, you, Amanda Tripp, come here. Hold your heads, Hortensia whispered. What's going to happen? Lavender whispered back that idiot Amanda, Hortensia said, had let her long hair grow even longer in the holes and her mother had plaited into pigtails. Silly thing to do. Why silly? If there's one thing that Trunchbull can stand, it's pigtails, Hortensia said. Matilda and Lavender saw the giant in green breeches advancing upon a girl above a chan who had a pair of plated golden pigtails hanging over her shoulders. Each pigtail had a blue satin bow at the end of it and it looked very pretty. The girl wearing the pigtails, Amanda Tripp, stood quite still watching the advancing giant and the expression on her face was one that you might find on the face of a person was certain on the day of judgment had come for her at last. Miss Trunchbull had now reached the victim and stood towering at her. I want those fifty fictile off before you came back to small tomorrow. She barked. Chop him off and throw him in the dustbin, you understand? Amanda, paralyzed with fright, managed to start my mummy likes them. She she plates them for me every morning. Your mommy is a tweet, the front bull bellowed. 
She pointed a finger aside of Salami and the challenge shouted, You look like a rat with a tail coming out of its head. M my mummy thinks I look lovely, M -m Miss Trunch Trunchable. Amanda stuttered, shaking like a blank change. I don't give her tinker's tooth what your mommy thinks. Trunchable yielded, and with that she lunged forward and grabbed hold of Mat Amanda's pigtail in her right fist and lifted the girl clear of the ground. Then she started swinging her round and round her head, faster and faster, and Amanda was screaming blue murder, and the Trunchable was yelling, I'll give you pigtails, you little rat. Shades of the Olympics, Hortensia murmured. She's getting up speed now just like she does with the hammer. Ten to one, she's going to throw her. And now the trunch bull was leaning back against the weight of the whirling girl and pivoting expertly on her toes, spinning round and round, and soon Amanda Tripp was traveling so fast she became a blur, and suddenly, with a mighty grunt, the trunch bull let off go the pigtails and Amanda went sailing like a rocket right over the wire fence of a playground and high up into the sky. Well thrown, sir, shouted somebody across the playground and Matilda, who was mesmerized by the whole crazy affair, saw Amanda Tripp descending in the long, graceful parabola on the playing field beyond. She landed on the grass and bounced three times and finally came to rest. And then amazingly, she sat up. She looked like a trifle dazed and could not blame her. But after a minute or so, she was on her feet again and tottering back towards the playground. The trunch bull stood in the playground, dusting off her hands. Not bad, she said, considering I'm not one in the strict hearing. Not bad at all. Then she strode away. She's mad, Hortensia said. But don't the parents complain? Matilda asked. Would yours? Hortensia asked. I know mine wouldn't. She treats the mothers and fathers just the same as the children, and they all scared to death of her. I'll be seeing you sometime, you two. And with that, she stormed away. So, guys, that was for this chapter. I hope you like this chapter, and we'll see you guys in the next chapter. And if you haven't checked out the other chapters of this book, check it out, and don't forget to click on the follow button and share it with your friends. Till then, stay tuned, take care, and bye-bye.